You're listening to The Pet Factor, news on pet health, wellness, and the latest in veterinary medicine. Welcome to our next podcast of The Pet Factor. I'm Dr. Jim Hosek. I'm Brittany. And today we're talking about the feline vaccines. Mm-hmm. So they too are broken up into core and non-core, but there's not a lot of them, so we're going to cover them all in one day here. So the big one, um, core vaccine every cat should get is rabies. Yep, required by law. Um, a lot of people come in and they say, boy, you know, my cat doesn't go outside. Why do I need the rabies vaccine? It's a good question. We have a good answer. Um, the biggest uh, exposure that the animals have to rabies in our area are brown bats. Mm-hmm. These bats are so small, they can squeeze through an area an eighth of an inch thick. And get into your home. Yeah. Rabbit bats do not behave normally. They come out and they'll uh, flop around. And what's a cat going to do? They're going to go play with it. Yeah. If a cat is exposed to a rabbit animal and does not have his rabies vaccine, we have to put that animal to sleep by law. Yeah. And then the people have to go like to the hospital for treatment right. too, right? Yeah. And if you're if you're uh, you're bitten by the, the cat or someone's bitten by the cat and it's not up to the animal's vaccines, that's a ten day quarantine under doctor's supervision. Mm-hmm. Um, used to be that the rabies vaccine in cats was associated with a syndrome called vaccine-associated sarcomas. These were tumors that would show up at the vaccine sites. Okay. Uh, about uh, 10, 12 years ago, they came out with a recombinant vaccine that eliminated the need for adjuvant, which they think was the culprit. And we've seen a great decrease in these vaccine reaction tumors. So um, they're very, very safe. Um, like with the dogs, there's a one-year vaccine for the first time they get it, and then a three-year vaccine after that. And, and they then start at stuck. 16 weeks, like just like with the puppies. Yep. As soon as they're 16 weeks, we can do it. Mm-hmm. Some places let you do a little bit earlier, uh, but 16 weeks is pretty good because that coincides with their last boosters for everything else, so we'll, we'll get with that. And it just makes common sense. Uh, yeah. Rabies is untreatable, mm-hmm. fatal, transmissible between animals and people. Don't mess around with it. Uh, well, and I don't think people realize how common, like, bats are in the area. Yeah. We had um, two rabies-positive bats within our general area over the last two months. Wow. Um, I did not know that. Mm-hmm, there was one in the LaGrange area right by a school, a block away from a school at a park. Um, and then the other night I was walking home and a bat flew over my head and I live only a few blocks away from our clinic and we're 10 minutes away from a zoo. Right. And so I was just like, oh my God, a bat just flew over my head and I have my dogs and I'm like, oh, I'm freaking out. I'm like, but I'm rabies vaccinated. My dogs are, but you know, people don't think about it. Your cat, your other dog in the house and the bat was just going house to house as it was landing and then gliding again. And it was just freaking me out because all, yeah. all I could do is look at these houses now and be like, bats touched you. And, and the other thing I'm going to tell, your, your cat may never go outside, but what if you have to take him into an emergency clinic for a treatment or something? Mm-hmm. He bites somebody, he's not on a rabies vaccine, it's a mess. Mm-hmm. Get him vaccinated. Um, the next vaccine we're going to talk about as part of the core vaccine every cat needs to get is yep. the uh, combo vaccine we call the FVRCP. Yep. It's actually three vaccines, even though there's five letters, one of the vaccines gets three letters. So that's kind of nice. The first one is called the feline viral rhinotracheitis. Yes. It's actually a herpes virus. Tongue twister. Uh, so cats, young cats are usually exposed to this, and this virus will actually infect them, cause symptoms for a few weeks, and then hide out in the nerves. Yep. And then whenever the cat's stressed or immune suppressed, the virus comes out and causes active lesions in their eyes, mm-hmm. can cause corneal lesions, can cause upper respiratory infections. Mm-hmm. Once the cat's infected with this, they're infected for life. For life yeah. We so, see a lot coming in with that, unfortunately, and 
you know, they have like a lot of drops or we have a lot of cats who get stressed out. And so they'll need, you know, just a little medication to hold them over for a little bit or they get sicker easier because their immune system's compromised at that point. Much more prone to secondary infections when Mm -hmm. they have that too. Um, uh, the other vaccine, uh, consider another upper respiratory vaccine is, uh, or disease is the Khaleesi virus. Yep. Causes very similar symptoms to the feline rhino trachitis virus. Um, vaccine is very, is protective. It's not 100% for this particular infection, but it can help prevent the cats from get, becoming persistently infected. Um, in about 10, 12 years ago, there was, they discovered a new strain of the Khaleesi virus that was much more serious strain. Mm-hmm. So... Um, they're working on including that into the vaccines for the cats. Um, but it's just one of those things. Uh, the kittens are going to be at highest risk. Make sure you get your cats vaccinated starting at eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need to, to get those boosters because their mother's immunity is wearing off by then. And they need to get those boosters up until 16 weeks. Um, the next part of the, the, the three-way vaccine is the panleukopenia, the P. Mm-hmm. Panleukopenia is a parvovirus, very the same as the parvovirus in dogs. We, they said last time they think the dog vaccine actually, uh, dog virus actually came from the cat virus. Mm-hmm. Um, causes damage to the bone marrow and the intestinal tract. Um, can make the cats very sick. They can die from this. Yep. Um, very, very good, effective vaccine. Um, and again, boosters every four weeks till they're um, a year mm-hmm. or 16, 16. weeks. Yep. A booster a year later and then every three years. Mm-hmm. And they're covered. Um, even a cat, again, Indoor cats, you never know when you have to take your cat to the mm-hmm. emergency clinic. Um, you never know. Diseases like panleukopenia, you can bring it on your shoes and clothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you, you never, never know. know what you're walking through. Cats touch anything, jump on everything. Especially, they clean themselves all the time. Mm-hmm, especially like outdoor cats. So you don't know if there's a sick cat in your neighborhood, was in your yard. You walk outside with you and your dog, have fun, come in this house, and now your cat's on your clothes your shoes licking something grooming you and now your pet's sick because they picked it off of you yeah um the last vaccine we're going to touch on today is a feline leukemia now this one is interesting because it's i we consider it core and Mm non-core so it's going to be core for every kitten so every kitten that comes in, they're starting their first vaccines, we're going to include feline leukemia. Mm-hmm. And then depending on their situation when they're older, we may or may not continue that vaccination. Um, so feline leukemia is very similar to the HIV virus in people. It's a retrovirus. Yep. It suppresses the immune system. Um, there's an estimate that um, about 1 in 20 cats are persistently carrying this infection. Mm. Um, and that uh, 35% of cats... Um, of all cats have been exposed to this virus at one point in their life. They have antibodies to it. Okay. So that means, you know, even though you don't think about it, as we don't diagnose it that often, a lot of cats are exposed to it. Um, many cats, when they're exposed, they can become immune. Mm-hmm. About a third of them can become carriers. Yeah. And Makes a third of them die from it. So it's a, a very high mortality rate with this infection. Mm-hmm. Um, the most susceptible cats are, are cats less than a year of age. Yeah. So that's why we. it's currently recommended that all kittens receive a booster at 12 weeks and 16 weeks. Uh, we'll typically do a blood test right at 12 weeks mm-hmm. to make sure they have not already been exposed. They don't have the virus in their blood. Well, and that's a big thing, too. Most people see they find a cat or a kitten outside and they bring it inside. Yeah. But you don't realize, you know, if your cat, if you have one at home and it's not... Um, protected against this. It's not vaccinated. Mm-hmm. If you bring a cat that's already got it into the house, now you're infecting your cat. Now they're both potentially to be sick. Them, right. 
And it could be something that could end up being fatal for yeah. them. Until for you get that, that negative blood test, keep the cat separate. Mm-hmm. Wash your hands after handling the new cat mm-hmm. so you don't accidentally transmit the virus. It's mm-hmm. spread through the saliva. Yeah. So um, it's, there have been cases of cats sharing water bowls transmitting yeah. the virus to each other, mm-hmm. um, cats um, hissing at each other through screens yeah, transmitting it. spit coming through yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And there actually was a, a study that showed that city cats are at higher risk than, than country cats. Because there's just a higher density of cats, they have a higher chance of being exposed to another cat. So they're more at risk for getting feline leukemia. Hmm. I thought that was really very interesting. Yeah. Um, Well, oftentimes you'll hear about the feline immunodeficiency virus, FIV. There used to be a vaccine for that. They found it really wasn't working. We don't have a vaccine for that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a little bit harder to spread. It's spread mostly to cats over a year of age. And it has to be spread primarily through bite wounds. So these male cats that like to go outside and get to the cat fights, mm-hmm. they come back with the abscess. Those are ones we worry about with that. Certainly we want to protect them against feline leukemia, but the FIV, I mean, the best protection is keep them indoors. Keep them inside, yep. Yeah. Now, we talked about Bordetella as a, a non-core with the dogs last time. It's actually, there's a Bordetella vaccine for cats. Cats don't get boarded all that often. A lot of times people are able to get someone to cat sit. Yeah. You know, they don't need to get out and get walked, so it's pretty easy to do. But if you are going to take your cat to a boarding facility, definitely would recommend getting the Bordetella updated mm-hmm. for them. Uh, it causes the same similar upper respiratory symptoms, can lead to pneumonias, especially in very young animals, can make them very sick. So I generally just recommend avoiding boarding young animals altogether. So that wraps up our, our uh, overview on the vaccines for cats and for cats and dogs. So if you missed our previous podcast when we talked about the dog vaccines, go back and listen to those. We mm-hmm. broke those up into the core and non-core. But we just wanted to kind of explain more in depth what the vaccines are, why we give them, and when your pets need them. So hopefully if you have questions, ask your vet, but make sure you get in and get these things taken care of. Uh, this should be part of their, their regular wellness exams, whether yeah. it's every six months or 12 months, depending on uh, uh, what your vet feels is appropriate for your animal. Make sure to get in and get these vaccines at the appropriate times. All right, now it's time to move on to the pet health news. So got some really cool, uh, really neat new story that came out um, on the, uh, the DVM360 site. This company, Zoetis, that makes a lot of these um, newer products, the allergy products and stuff, they've hinted at, they haven't formally announced yet, (laughs) a new antibody that will treat osteoarthritis pain in dogs and cats. Nice. Right. So like a pill injection? It'll be an injection. It'll be an injection. I think like the the, uh, Cytopoint that we use for allergies now. Okay. So this will be an antibody that binds to a a molecule called uh, nerve growth factor, which is associated in the pain pathway. And by blocking that, they can block this chronic pain that happens from osteoarthritis. Hmm. So I'm really looking forward to seeing more information on this. When we get more information, when this product's available, we'll let people know. Share more of that. We don't have any great uh, pain medications for cats long-term. There's nothing that's really approved for them. They're too sensitive. (laughs) There's some off-label things that we'll use if we have to, but, uh, you know, an antibody is nice because it doesn't have the side effects of drug is. It's just an antibody that binds a molecule. So it's basically blocking something rather than causing something. So that's going to be really neat. I can't wait to talk to the uh, Zoetis rep when they when they get that. Yeah. So what's the next story here? All right. Oh, this is this is really neat. So um, feline heart disease goes probably more undiagnosed uh, than a lot of people think. Um, they said that twenty uh, percent of cats die from heart disease every year. I can unfortunately see that yeah. cats are really good at hiding things. Um, most people, when they bring their cat in, it's not something that they 
you know, think it's, oh, I'm bringing my cat in for right. this. It's on the exam. The doctor's like, oh, they have a heart murmur. Right. Or, oh, do we usually cough or breathe this hard? And they're like, oh, yeah, we're nervous. Or we always do that. We're a little overweight. Yeah. Or, yeah. They're, um, you know, cats don't move around a lot. They're not going mm-hmm. for walks every day. So you don't notice if they're losing their energy and their pep. Yeah, you think they're just sleepy cats, yeah. and that's what they do. So this uh, <laughs> um, veterinarian at Tufts University, Elizabeth Rosansky, has uh, developed from human medicine this technique called the focused cardiac ultrasound. So a uh, regular cardiac ultrasound usually is done by either a cardiologist or a radiologist. Mm-hmm. Uh, do a complete exam of the heart. They take a lot of mes- measurements and things like that. And it's really difficult for a veterinarian one, to have the time to do that, yep. um, all the patients, and two, to be trained well enough to, to spot what's abnormal and, and know what to, to look for. So she's come up with a, a much simpler ultrasound technique that could be trained, most any veterinarian can be trained to do, that allows them to, um, within a few minutes, take a couple simple measurements and get an idea whether this cat might be at risk for heart disease. So um, her results were very promising. They trained 300 veterinarians, I'm sorry, they trained 200 veterinarians, and they did exams on 300 cats. They were 93% successful in diagnosing cats with moderate heart disease and 100% in diagnosing cats with severe disease compared to a veterinary cardiologist examining the same cats. Nice. So that the test is a screening test, then the cat will need to go to a cardiologist for further workup if it's indicated. But this is going to be really nice because it's something we, if we get a heart murmur, we can do that's less expensive than a full ultrasound, mm-hmm. but might identify cats earlier that might need further treatment. So yeah. there's some training videos. We're going to get onto that uh, with our practice, and hopefully we'll be able to offer that soon. So... Um, I'm hoping that'll be uh, something that we'll be able to talk about in yeah. one of our future things and and uh, explain a little bit more how that works. So you got the last story over yeah. there. Yeah. All right. So this is really interesting because we do see these animals we in our practice. We do lead contamination in backyard chickens. So <laughs> you think, okay, what does uh, how do chickens get lead contamination and how does that affect us? Well, we're right. eating their eggs and their meat in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're Chickens are eating lead out of the yard, and you're eating the eggs. Yeah. You're, you're getting the lead. You're eating the lead. Yeah. So they examined, um, it was like 14, almost 1,500 uh, chickens that were um, submitted for post-mortem exams. Mm-hmm. They found that um, 3% of them were positive for lead, and 22% of those had lead in toxic levels, which translates to about um, 18 chickens from urban areas. 11 chickens from suburban areas, and only 11 from rural areas. So it's actually a much higher incidence in the, in the city areas. Yeah, um, They can get the lead from soil contamination, old buildings where the paint's peeling off, and it mm-hmm. gets into the soil. It's yep. outside paint. The chickens peck around. Yeah, they're pecking they for the, the bugs and the grubs and everything, and they're getting some paint or something in there, and they're getting that lead. The scariest part was when they were looking at the, the levels of lead in the liver and, and um, kind of comparing what that would be the level of lead in the eggs that were being passed by these chickens, they were finding those eggs would have twice the safe level of lead um, that would be appropriate for a six-year-old child. Wow. So if a kid eats one of these eggs and they're eating them regularly for breakfast, this can cause some serious problems in mm-hmm. kids. Uh, it leads to behavioral disorders, uh, attention deficit disorders, hyperactivity, decreased brain volume, and even decreased IQ. So... Uh, if you have backyard chickens, there's a couple recommendations here. Um, one, check the area out before you put the chickens in. Yeah. Get the soil tested. Look mm-hmm. for any old paint that's peeling. Um, any other things that might be uh, associated with that. Um, 
test the chickens and the uh, the eggs every once in a while yeah. to make sure that they're not building up any toxic levels of lead. Just common sense things that you don't think about. You think, oh, it'd be great to have my own eggs in my backyard. Yeah, but I, when you're when you're doing something like that, take the environment into account because mm-hmm. it can it can play a big role in that. So for all of our clients out there who got their chickens. Maybe uh, get one of those eggs tested just to make sure. Get your soil tested for sure where those chickens are. Where do they go in for testing? Well, um, a lot of the uh, uh, agriculture agencies will have that. So uh, the Illinois Department of Agriculture will probably be able to direct you to that. And they also offer the soil testing too. So um, there's, uh, you know, the people in the country, they know where to get these things going. In the city, you might have to do a little research on the Internet. If we find that out, we'll kind of post that on our website and let people know. Yeah, let our chicken owners know. Yeah. So that wraps up our pet health for the, the week. Um, let's move on to the case of the week. So this was a, a new patient I saw <laughs> this week. The sweetest little four-year-old beagle mix. Fabulous. And she had a tough life. She started out two years ago. She was diagnosed with heartworm disease. Uh, but now she's doing so well. Mm-hmm. Her owner said she actually killed two skunks, a rabbit, and a ground squirrel. Mm-hmm. Now, she seems fierce. Like, you know, protect the yard, no one gets in. Right. But the biggest quality, or the biggest thing about her, she has no eyes. She's, None. She's totally blind. She Completely blind. Them. She lost both of her eyes. Yeah. Surgically, they were both surgically removed. And she's fabulous, though. She can catch a treat in the air. We threw her treats, and she still caught treats. Didn't see them coming. Nice. She was listening for our clapping and our cues, and every time we tossed a treat, she caught it. She caught four out of five treats. That's just, I mean, just amazing. <laughs> like, my dogs, they fall off their heads, and they have two functioning eyes. The owners were telling me most people don't even realize she has any eyes until no. they point it out to her. No, like, she walked in the back with me. I didn't even know she didn't have eyes until I turned around because she bounced off a door. But the other, she did so good the rest of the walk. Yeah, yeah she follows your footsteps. Uh-huh. So this is a case where she was able to take her hearing mm-hmm. and basically use that as her vision now mm-hmm. and her she can smell things so she can hear these creatures calling around and she can oh, yeah. pinpoint them well enough to pounce on them and catch them and to catch them that just it just amazes me so um and i look forward to seeing what again yeah She's and it's so cool she called a skunk so but she didn't stink like skunk so you can tell she got it before yeah. i got a chance to spray her that i applaud her for too we get so many skunky dogs in here and they can see they can hear they yeah their senses are all there mods are better so if you have a pet that's got vision problems and they lose their vision, it's not the end of the it's world. Not no, they, they still have a full life. They adapt to. <laughs> the, there's no psychological problems for them. They they do really well with that. All right, uh, let's move on to our tech tips. So we talked about cat vaccines. I wanted to ask you, what are some good ways to for people to get their cats to the vet without stressing them out? Because mm-hmm. I think the biggest reason people don't want to even bring their cats in is they're the cats get freaked out. Mm-hmm. They're scared. They can't get them in the carrier. Mm-hmm. They pee and poop on yeah. the way over. They get a little aggressive. What, what can we do to make that a better experience for everybody? Well, there are a lot of things that we can do, and most people don't really think about it. Um, so something like one of the simplest things is taking a carrier out a few days before their appointment. You know, if you're taking a carrier out only when you're bringing your pet yeah. to the clinic and that's five minutes before and now you're running around chasing your cat and saying, I have to cancel my appointment or something, right. it's because your cat saw the carrier and they associate that a carrier with the clinic. Yeah, but that's the only time they go in it. That's the get, only time they go in it. But if you leave the that clinic. carrier out, 
more often then you we have some owners that leave mm-hmm. their carry out and their cats sleep in it they yeah. eat in it they associate it it's a nice quiet spot keep their toys in there mm-hmm. keep treats in there you know you can put some pheromones in there something that makes it a nice cozy place do not only use that carrier as just a means for transportation for them. Now, you mentioned these pheromones. Um, mm-hmm. That's the, the feel-away product. Yes. And there's a couple forms of this. There's um, uh, a spray that we use in the clinic. So mm-hmm. we'll spray the cages the animals are going to stay in. Yeah, we spray I'll some spray blankets. myself with it. Mm-hmm. We'll, we have a diffuser that is in the room. We yep. have a cat-only room, so that's in there. And there's also wipes. Yes. We usually um, we will use wipes here. Sometimes we'll wipe the um, baby scale before we weigh them. Yeah. Um, there have been times when we they come in for surgery that we wipe the kennels that they're going to be in. Or sometimes when we know that there is a pet who is uh, stressed out anyway, we'll send some home with the owners. Yeah. Or we'll even wipe the inside of the carrier, especially if the cat has already pooped or peed or something on the way here. Yeah. Knowing that they're going to do the same thing on the way home, we'll wipe the cages and even do maybe like a little spritz around it with the mm-hmm. spray to help hopefully make the trip home a little yeah. less stressful. Yeah, the owners can uh, take some packs home. we got mm-hmm. some samples. Um, wipe it not only in the carrier, wipe your car. Yeah. Get the car, do that 10 minutes before you get in. That's, get those pheromones already going to be there. They're going to help relax the cat. Mm-hmm. They're not too strong, so usually people don't have mm-hmm. um, any issues with breathing those in or anything now, like now that. Now, what about the cats that are still really nervous? We, we do have some other things we can offer for them ahead of time. Mm-hmm. We do offer uh, medications to kind of like... Not so much as a tranquilizer, but just calming down. Yeah, it's um, not going to put them to sleep. No, it just, you know, gives them a little happy twilight moment. Takes the edge off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They can come in. We have some cats that will actually purr. Um, we have some that just sleep throughout the whole exam, which is better. Um, we have some owners yeah. that say their cats will scream the whole way here, but then we give them medications, and they're nice and quiet. They're calm. They're not screaming. Right. Um, so they're more relaxed. And so medications, you know, usually like an hour, hour and a half before the appointment, and it just gives them times to work into their system. And by the time they get here, we work them up a little bit, get the medication more out of their system. They go home, sleep it off. And they're fine that night or the next morning. It's right. in and out of their system. Yeah, I, it, it just seems like it's a really uh, good alternative than mm-hmm. not bringing the cat at all. Yeah. Um, they're very safe to give to the cats. Mm-hmm. We have one that's a liquid, so it's really easy to give. Some mm-hmm. are tablets. So depending on the cat, some work better than others. Mm-hmm. Some are capsules where you can yeah. just break it open, put it in wet food. Um, if cats are sneaky about it and yeah. won't take the liquid or pills. So, you know, if you've had a bad experience with your cat, Ask your vet, is there something you can do to make it easier for them? Mm-hmm. Because if the cat's happier, they're going to be less stressed out the next time they come, and then you're going to need those products less and less because they're not going to have that anxiety that they did before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I some of the things um, I try to do uh, when they're here, you know, sometimes if a cat doesn't want to come out of the carrier, I'll just start to do the exam in the carrier. Yep. Um, or if they're wrapped up in, if you bring a blanket with them, we can just take the blanket out with them on the carrier and leave that on the table. Mm-hmm. That helps a lot too. Um, so ask your vet, take it slow. If you think your cat is getting too anxious, ask if you get there, can you please sedate them or tranquilize them? Um, if they are having a tough time, get a blood sample. A lot of times we will give them something that knocks them out mm-hmm. so that we don't have to fight with them. And then when they wake up, they don't have any memory of it. They're yeah. feeling really good about it. And there are plenty of times we put a little mask on for some gas or oxygen right. that is in and out their system within minutes. Yeah, and a little bit of uh, anesthetic gas puts them to sleep very quickly. We mm-hmm. get our stuff done, and then by the time we walk them back up to the room, they're already they're awake up. and don't know what happened. They just think they had a nice yeah. nap. 
So that's pretty much it for this uh, this episode of our podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, next time we're going to start going into parasite screening. Okay. So we know how we will do blood tests and stool sample tests, and people go, well, "Why am I doing this every year?" We're going to tell you why we're doing that yep. every year. Um, and if anybody listening has any ideas or topics they want us to cover. Uh, or any tech tips they want, send us an email, email at brookfieldvets.com. We'll be happy to include that in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or if you have any questions that you want answered, we'd be happy to do that too. And we'll see you next time. I'm Dr. Jim Hosek. I'm Brittany. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Pet Factor with Dr. Jim Hosek and Brittany